I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Winners of the East London Challenge Cup soon after their formation in 1885. The old Millwall Rovers are now known to their roaring supporters as the last. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Hello, good evening and welcome to this rather odd, odd show this week. Um, tonight's game's going to lead us off. <coughs> Stevenage visit Millwall in the first round of the Caribou Cup. What's the Caribou Cup, Mill? What's, it, what's that in English? The Caribou Cup. It's the League Cup. The League Cup. Sitting next to me is our resident expert, Mr Neil Crazy Horse Andrews, who can correctly identify the Caribou, Caribou Cup, to get it right, as what used to be called the League Cup back in the olden days. Um, empty stadium, apart from one block of Stevenish fans in the uh, in the away end. Uh, only the West Stand is open tonight, dear listeners. Should have a little run through to tonight's team. Well, radical changes from last Friday night's sterling efforts up at the City Ground, albeit unsuccessful. Uh, in goal tonight, we've got Tom King. Back line tonight, Tony Craig, I imagine left back. Um, Jake Cooper starts tonight in central defence alongside Byron Webster. Marlon Romeo at the right back position. Central midfield, Jules Saville tonight. Ben Thompson starts on the wings. We have Fred Onyedema, David Wall up front, Tom Elliott. Well, actually, I presume Fred will be up front. Shane Ferguson. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> Ferguson on the wing. Up front be Tom Elliott and Fred Onyedema, almost certainly. Stevenage gets underway. What's Caribou? What's Carabao? It's an energy drink. Neil knows. He is the air resident expert. I had to look this up, dear listeners. Early attack here, Millwall. Carib- I'll let you into a secret, Nick. It says it over there on the paper. <laughs> Carabao, so it does. Carabao energy drink. But what's interesting is a Thai, Thai uh, from Thailand energy drink. Set up by uh, a Thai rock star, Yuan Yang Opakal, also known as Aid Carabao. What a name, Aid Carabao. So it's his energy drink, and they're sponsoring the League Cup this season. We're going to come back um, about midway through the first half. 0-0 as the uh, game unfolds. 
Yeah, they'll check in in about 22 minutes. So bye for now. 22 and a half minutes, nil-nil at the moment. Um, neither side really tearing it up. Um, best chance, I think, of the opening 20 felt the Millwall. Jake Cooper headed on goal. It was um, battered away up under the bar, I think, by the goalkeeper. Apart from that, it's uh, huff and puff and uh, not much in the way of house being blown down. The front two of Fred and um, Elliot, Fred Elliot, looks uh, reasonably dangerous for Stevenage's defence. They're pulled into the box and speakers that will head it down from Fred there. But no decisive chances. 23 minutes, nil-nil. Half-time, nil-nil. Um, not exactly the most exciting game in many respects. We've not looked too bad. Big news at the half, I suppose. Best chance for it to Jake Cooper. Header, already mentioned it. He's unfortunately gone off injured. Um, replaced by Lee Gregory. Since Gregory's coming, we've looked a little bit more direct, a little bit more... Um, like we might have, a, have an idea where goal is, but there's a lot of huff and puff, a lot of effort, no great end product so far. Nil-nil at half-time. A little bit of a postscript, just, uh, just replaying uh, Stephen his chance where they carved that quite a nice opportunity, a shot on goal, which they really should have taken advantage of. So, arguably the line's lucky to go in at nil-nil. Um, overall, it's pretty much a League One type encounter, so nil-nil uh, at half-time. 53rd minute lines lead it 1 0. Nice, nice little cross on the right hand side from Fred. Buried at the far post by the, uh, the nuclear missile that is Tom Elliott. Just watching the replay now. Another lovely little cross, actually. Delicate cross put home inside the, the six yard box by Elliott. Lions lead it 1 0. 53 minutes. 2 0, 66 minutes. Little chippy cross from the left hand side from Ferguson. Headed in from close by Fred on the right hand side post. Nice little move, two nice goals actually tonight. Just watching the replay, nice work by Ferguson on the left. Beautiful hanging cross and that's put in from close range by Fred on your dimmer. Mill 2-0, looks like Caribou Cup glory beckons. Tom Elliott, not Fred on your dimmer. Oh my God, my credibility is gone. Apologies Fred, apologies Tom. I'll erase all that dear listeners, don't worry. Final whistle, two will win, routine win in all honesty for Mill in the end. Two good goals from Tom Elliott. Um, looked dangerous tonight. I thought um, Saffron looked good deal in the first half. Yeah, good performance all round, really, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, competent. Competent. Oh, yeah. We did enough, so there we are. Two nil win over Stevenage in the first round of the Caribou Cup. Lions go to the draw for the second round. Achtung, Millball. Well, hello, Honky Tonks. Welcome back after the break. Um, this is rather a, you know, a jumble of a show this week's show. is a bit of a smorgasbord, tapas-style, bits and pieces approach. And it just occurred to me that I'm doing a little bit of background reading for the previous section on the Carabao Cup win over Stevenage last Tuesday. Um, it just occurred to me, reading the EFL Cup section of Wikipedia, that the Football League Cup, as the EFL really is in real life, is as old as me. I... I, I, I I hadn't realised this previously, but the very first Football League Cup competition was held in 1960-61, and I was born in 1960, so the Football League Cup, the EFL Carabao Cup, and myself are the same age, which is a slightly odd thought, really, and it occurred to me that it might suit us to consider the somewhat chequered history of the Football League Cup since its inception 
1960, 1960, 57 years ago. Now, apologies to anyone who's not interested in football history. I'm a bit of a football history nerd, and I make no apologies for such, but the origins of the Football League Cup came from none other than Sir Stanley Rouse, who I believe was um, a referee in the 1930s, and certainly a major figure in post-war football history as as FA chairman I believe and also one of our, our reps on, on the um, FIFA that formed after uh, came to um, the modern sense after the Second World War and Sir Stanley Rouse saw the Football League Cup as a, an alternative competition for clubs who had been knocked out of the FA Cup now they have this principle I think in Wimbledon tennis don't they they have a plate competition so if if you're knocked out in the early rounds you have an alternate contest for the losers a losers cup almost um, and he saw the possibility of the Football League Cup being um, an alternative for teams knocked out of the FA Cup. Now, that never came to pass. That was that was uh, an idea that never took off, and I can kind of see why a Losers' Cup wouldn't really work. But a, another major figure in um, in football history was the redoubtable figure of Alan Hardacre, who was Football League Secretary in the early 60s, and on into the early 70s, if memory serves. I remember his name being mentioned many a time in when I first started going. But Hardacre proposed a competition as a way for clubs making up on um, lost revenue um, when a planned reorganisation of the Football League was to take place. So there is nothing new in this world. Um, in 1960, the Football League then was planning on reorganising itself. And as a, a kind of a, a precursor, they brought in the League Cup as a way of fixtures being staged for teams that would have a, a reduced league programme. It never took place. But the Football League Cup lived on. And that gives you a sense of the um, the power of a football league in those days. It's now very much seen as second best to the Premier League, the almighty Premier League. But back in those days, the Football League was in a real a tussle for power in the game with the FA. Speaking about his proposed competition, Hardacre said at the time, 1960, it must be obvious to all of you that the time has come to do something. The game was felt to be adrift at that point. And he goes on to say, it's up to the Football League to give the lead. I hope that the press will not immediately assume that the league is going to fall out with the FA or anybody else. But the time has come for our voice to be heard in every problem which affects the professional game. That's 1960. Like I said earlier on, and I'll probably say again a few times in this little piece, there's nothing new under the sun, dear listeners, nothing new at all. The League Cup competition was set up at a time when match day attendances were dwindling. Um, over one million spectators lost in, in, the, in the late 50s uh, compared on previous seasons. And also there was a, uh, and then this battle for power between the Football League and Football Association. So the Football League Cup began very much as a rival, an alternate, as they saw it, to the FA Cup. It also sought to exploit the newly fitted um, novelty of, of floodlights. Um, floodlights came in mostly during the 1950s and were still seen as something of a, of a, of a novelty even when I started going in, in the 1970s. I well remember the excitement of floodlight football. It seemed exotic and continental. Um, everything that football probably hadn't been in the uh, in the dull austerity of the post-war years. But certainly by the time I started going in the 1970s, I, I really used to look forward to, F, uh, to floodlight football. And the League Cup was built entirely around the concept of midweek games 
under the floodlights. Now, in the early years of the competition, the major clubs, the big first division names, the Arsenals, the Manchester United, didn't take part in the Football League Cup. They felt it somewhat of a um, superfluous competition, I suppose a little bit like how we see the um, the auto windscreen um, shield trophy in our you know in, in League League One third division level and to an extent the football league cup has continued to feel a little bit like a a runt competition that no one really wants to take part in but certainly back in in those days the major clubs felt it a little bit beneath their attention that changed somewhat in the mid 60s when the allocation of a European spot for winning the competition plus the move to a Wembley final which I think was from 1967 onwards, with the allure of a place in what was then called the Fairs Cup, became the UEFA Cup, now known as Europa League, that was the, the prize for winning the League Cup. And at that point, from the 60s to the 70s, I would say the League Cup had its heyday, really. Um, you know, as, as, as a teenager, I remember, well, the League Cup final being a major event in the football calendar, and certainly up until, I would say, the... The, the break in, in European terms, the Heisel um, competition break, um, the Football League Cup was probably taken seriously, as, as seriously as it ever, it's ever been taken. Eventually, in the early 90s, after the European break, um, the League Cup finally regained its European spot um, two years after the, the return of English clubs to Europe. Um, for me, it's it, ever since, I'm sure you too, to be honest with you, I don't think I'm telling you any, anything you don't already know, the, the League Cup became seen ever more as um, a pain in the, in, the, in the arse of major clubs, um, it, enticing them to take part, and it was, was ever more, um, you know, the Football League began to take its second place in, in the game, and grovelling in the end became involved to keep them interested. A real shame, in my opinion. The Football League Cup is this year sponsored by Carabao, which apparently is an energy drink from Thailand. And, you know, obviously it does offer a Wembley spot. It offers a, a, a middling club's route to silverware and possibly Europe. And that's not to be sniffed out. I don't think any club below the very top six to eight clubs should sniff at the chance of a Football League glory. Now, there's only ever been two seasons where Mill have particularly shone in the Football League Cup. The first one I remember very well, which was 1973-74, when we made the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals as far as we've ever been in the competition. So as we like a little bit of nostalgia on these shows, and forgive me, younger listeners, but um, I like a bit of nostalgia. I'm going to have a little look through the, um, the various rounds, 1973-74 Football League Cup competition, and we'll see what we've got. Very different times. Now, if memory serves, there was a minor strike on at that time in 1974, and the midweek principle was maintained, but the floodlight part had to be reduced as the government brought in ever more stringent power restrictions as coal stocks dwindled and power cuts became a normal part of everyone's life. Ask anyone of a certain age of the, in their 50s and ask them about the candles and power cuts and lost dark, dark evenings of the minor strike of those times. So anyway, round two of the 73-74 League Cup season saw Mill draw nil-nil at home to Nottingham Forest. 10th of October 1973, I was 12 years old at the time, still just. Um, 8,631 at Cold Blow Lane. And we went on to win the replay, which was um, unusual, um, to go away. We've gone up to Nottingham Forest a few days later on the 16th of October, one week before my birthday. 
and a 3-1 win at the count at the city county ground at the city ground in front of just 9241 so the lions progress into the third round having defeated nottingham forest where once again we drew at home mill won bolton wanderers won at home 31st of october a few days later again um, short and sharp, the League Cup, isn't it? 9,281 at Colblow Lane to watch that game, third round of the League Cup. Um, we then go to Bolton Wanderers a few days later again, 6th of November, and again a 2-1 win up there at that time. That would have been um, Burnden Park, wouldn't it? 13,000 at Burnden Park uh, for a 2-1 win for the Lions. So we go into the fourth round. Uh, another win, a straightforward win this time, 3-1 over Luton Town. In the fourth round, 21st of November 1973, in front of 8,700 at the Den. And then the glory. I mean, I, I still remember this this day to to this, the, the, as I'm speaking now. It was a home game, quarterfinal of the League Cup. I wasn't used to Mill having Cup glory at that time. We didn't really make, um, it was a post kind of lull after the, the near-miss promotion season. And Mill, the idea of Mill progressing in any direction close to Wembley at that time was unthinkable. Anyway, so we had a, a home game against Norwich City, quarterfinals of the uh, League Cup. This was played 16th of January, which I think was a Wednesday. And it was an afternoon kickoff. We had to bunk off school to go to watch it. The government had these restrictions at the time. Coal was uh, running low. There were power cuts. And teams weren't allowed to play evening matches. So to be played in the afternoon. But nevertheless, a Wednesday afternoon kickoff. At Cold Blow Lane, 10,708 turned out for it. I, I remember well the, the strangeness of shooting up to the, uh, to the den from school. I, I, I don't know how I did it. I, I wasn't really a bunker off school very often. I was, I was quite a studious child, really. Um, but I managed to wangle my way up to Grove Park, 36B, all the way up to New Cross, and walk down to the ground. Um, Alf Wood scoring for the Lions. And a player called Howard equalising for Norwich City, which took us to a replay. Now, given the Lions' prowess that season with winning away from home, um, we probably would have travelled up to Carrow Road with some measure of expectation. Another afternoon kickoff up there, 16th of January, 1.30 kickoff, because um, obviously the, the nights were drawing in there, so um, 1.30 in the afternoon to keep the daylight. And unfortunately, we lose that one, 2-1 at Norwich. Uh, Colin Suggett, I remember that name, 10 minutes, gave the lead to the Canaries. Derek Smethurst for the Lions equalised on 73 minutes, so it was everything to play for. And then referee Roger Kirkpatrick, there's an old name from the past, Leicestershire, Roger Kirkpatrick, settled it by awarding a penalty on the 83rd minute to, I think it was John Sissons, a, an ex-West Ham player, finished up at Norwich. A lot used to finish up at Norwich from West Ham back in those times. Um, and there it was, we were out of the League Cup in the quarter-final stage. Uh, the attendance for that game in Norwich, 7,700. So less than the, the game at the Den the week before. Um, obviously working day, and I would imagine a fair few Norwich would have come down to watch their team at the Den. Maybe, um, you know, bunking off work for two weeks on the spin wasn't practical. But that was the end of that. That was as close as I knew the Lions would ever get to Wembley, apart from the FA Cup uh, quarter-final in 78, until, obviously, the modern era and the glory of, um, you know, the auto-windscreen years onwards and the cup final and all the rest of it. But that was that. Was that. Now, the second time we had a, a near-miss with glory in the Football League Cup came, of course, in 94-95, much more recent. A good few listeners may remember this, this cup run. 
the line's going out in the quarterfinals. I won't run through the whole rounds again. That gets a bit boring, doesn't it? Um, but line's going down 3-1 at the county ground. Swindon now, amazingly, back then, Swindon were a, a first division side, or Premier League side, I should say. Um, the line's unfortunately falling out. 3-1 in front of 11,700 at the county ground that night. Dave Mitchell scoring for the Lions on 85, but by then the game was beyond us. Much, it was Andy Much, scored twice for Swindon, 25 minutes and 61 minutes. And then Jan Arga-Fjultoft, a name from the past, on 36 minutes. So we were 3-0 down going into those final five minutes when Dave Mitchell scored. Lions team that night, little journey down memory lane here for you, dear listeners, was Casey Keller in goal. Uh, Ian Dawes, Jason Van Blurk, Andy Roberts. Damien Webber, blimey, there's a name from the past. Keith Stevens, Dave Savage, Alex Ray, great player. Richard Cadet, Jesus Christ, forgotten Richard Cadet. Uh, Dave Mitchell, Mark Kennedy, Mark Beard, Jason Beckford and Jimmy Carter on the bench. There we are, the unloved runt that is the Football League Cup, this season known as the Carabao Cup. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, it was a little bit thrown together on a scratch, on a, on a, on a wing of a prayer. But hey, it's my show, my rules, my gaff. Back off these messages. You're listening to Achtung Millwall, the number one mill podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hello and welcome to Achtung Millwall. As you know, I'm not Nick Hart. Uh, it's Harry Warren here. Nick's unable to come to the home game. First home game in the championship season against Bolton. Um, team news is in through some changes from Tuesday night's win in the League Cup, or whatever it's called this week. Cooper's injured, so well, was injured on Tuesday night and uh, was substituted midway through the game. He's on the bench today, so the back four and five with Archer in goal. So it'll be Archer in goal, uh, McLaughlin right back, centre halves of Hutchinson and Webster with Meredith on the left, and midfield four of Wallace, Saville, Williams and Ferguson coming in for Aidan O'Brien who is dropped much to my delight and Gregory and Morrison are up front the subs are Fred, Elliot, Cooper, Thompson, Craig, King and the adequate replacement for Jeb Wallace or Fred on the dimmer Worrell I'll pause there for dramatic effect you can laugh yourselves there I'll be back at kickoff Listeners will have to forgive my uh, my rustiness at this. The uh, summer seems to take this toll on me in the fact that I've completely forgot what after Millwall players' first names were. I could do the surnames pretty well, but uh, unfortunately the summer break seems to have uh, ruined me. Big news before kickoff is that Mr. By for now, after long years of service, has been replaced by someone who somehow is worse than him. I'll let that sink in. 15 minutes gone, first chance for the Lions across him from the left from Ferguson, just evading Jeb Wallace. Bolton seemed quite happy with Millwall going long, but they haven't really posed any problems going forward as of yet, so still quite even after 15 minutes. He said Millwall have actually tried to pass the ball. Um, with limited success, but they are trying to pass the ball and spread the play against Bolton. They were set up with, uh, with five at the back today to uh, try and nullify Millwall going long. Um, it's quite weird. Uh, at times it looks like Mark Beavers is playing left back. He's not. He's playing the left side of three centre-halves. But he's out so wide to cover Jeb Wallace that uh, 
It almost looks like a mismatch at times. 25 gone, still nothing much to report. Um, the game's sort of flat. Bolton have come here with five at the back and are quite happy for Mill to go long. So I'm saying that, it's flicked on, cleared again by Bolton. It's last, it's last ditch defending by Bolton, but it's effective. It's just, they're clearing the ball out and kicking it all the way back to Mill's back four, and then Mill were trying to build from the back before being frustrated and kicking the ball long. Um, it's kind of quite easy to see a pattern of play. Mill with a chance, um, Jeb Wallace just come forward on a break. Cut inside beautifully, just couldn't get his shot away. Was smothered out by five Bolton defenders. Just went full for a Millwall player, but it was better, it was quicker, it was faster for Millwall, and that's what they need to do to break down this Bolton defence. Forward again now. Jed, oh, unlucky. Tried to take a soft touch to beat it through to the area, just bounced off his shin, I think, and went behind for a goal kick. But it's better for Millwall. The last two minutes have been better. They've been, Parsons have been a little bit more clinical. 41 minutes, Millwall free kick. 35, 40 yards out. Not beating the first man. Meredith still got the ball though. He's tried to chip the keeper. He's unlucky. Peter was caught out, I think. I think he was pinned back on his line. He didn't quite know where it was. He's unlucky. That's half time. It could be worse. It's sort of been a nothing game really. Um, Bolton haven't really threatened. I shouldn't be saying that because it will come back to haunt me. But um, Millwall have, have pressed and have huffed and puffed but nothing's really come off for them. And uh, no clear cut goal chances as of yet. So as we say, half time, nil nil. Achtung, Millwall. Bolton are back out for the second half. Here come the Lions. He changes at half time, have a look. Steve Morrison, arguably the worst player on the pitch of Millwall, just, well, he done anything overly bad, just was anonymous. A few touches he had weren't very good, and uh, you expect more from the Millwall man, but um, he's still out there, there's no substitutions from what I can see, I'm counting, no, it'll be the same 11 for both sides to come back out. Let's hope for some goals. So I went all the way to Nottingham on Friday night and saw Millwall create more chances. I think I've seen them create in probably the last 18 months to two years under Neil Harris and conspire not to score. So um, hopefully I'm, I'm rewarded. Just didn't fall to him, just about got their bolt and goalkeeper. Oh, he's lining up now. Yeah, Bolton have changed straight away to a back three, as I can see right now. With their five, they've changed to their middle more space. Hopefully to go forward. So yeah, they've gone to a back three now, looking like. So a back five, but more like a back three than the back five, if that makes sense. 
Substitution for Bolton Wanderers, replacing number two, Mark Little. Number 22, Philippe Moraes. So bring on ex-Lion Philippe Moraes. Let's come back out to Meredith, who's going to try and cross it in. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Got two men to beat. Back to Ferguson. Seven. we time to turn on the edge of the box. Can it one? Deflected. It's OK, it was arms. It's better from Millwall. They've been... Oh, the ball seems to be falling from now. Yeah, break away, Morrison to... What is? It's too late. He's waited too long. Oh, he tried to find Gregory, didn't read it. It's unlucky, Millwall. Managed to get a corner. It's another one of those incisive Wallace breakaways. When he gets it inside his own half and he's got time to turn and run at pace, he's, he's a cup. He's just a real quality find, a real quality buyer for Millwall. Anyway, Ferguson with the corner from the left. Free header, Savile. I don't know how he missed. Free header at the front post. Ghosted in for a random penalty spot into the front coast area. And managed to pick over the bar. Throws it back into Ferguson. Time to cross it in. Keeper comes out and punches here. Savile into the ground. Flip by Morrison off the line by Mark Beavers. Unlucky Morrison. Beavers off the line. Wouldn't you fucking know it? 60 minutes gone. The free kick for some unknown reason against fucking Bills back four. Free kick 25 yards out from goal. And uh, Millwall have got some defending to do. A free kick in a dangerous position for Bolton. And what Jordan Archer will turn up today? Papadon Riss or Wembley Jordan Archer? It's going to be ex-line Philippe Murray. He's only been on the pitch about five minutes. Hasn't touched a ball till now, with a free kick. Just outside the edge of the, on the edge of the box. Right, feed over the wall, in. There you go. Archer's shit, by the way, I just want to point out, he didn't fucking move. Archer did not move. Over the top of the roll, wasn't right in the corner. But it's a bad, it's a bad, bad, bad goal to give away by Mill. Out of nothing, it'd be the better side. I don't get it, 
that Beavis has made two saving clearances off the line is unreal. Referee's bought a, a Bolton player, uh, player throwing himself on the floor. One of them a free kick. I think he's going to go and book Hutchinson, which he does, which is a joke. He's through through the middle. Unlucky. It's working the front three, Morrison, Gregory and Wallace now almost. They seem to work well together when they've got the ball and time and space to move into anyway. Oh, near. A chance. Somehow the linesman didn't see it went out. It went out by about a foot, but we will keep the ball. Gregory played in and been done late by 16. It's a card, definitely, surely. Must be yellow card on 16. Williams from outside outside the box manages to somehow have a save by their keeper. God knows how he saved it. Another middle corner in the deep into extra time. Injury time, last corner, last chance. Everyone's forward. Literally everyone. Williams to the corner. Time. The Lions beaten. Well, the Lions drew. Deserved the win, much like last week. Didn't create the chances this week, but did deserve to win. But unfortunately, just didn't have enough on the day. Point gained, probably three points dropped, if I'm honest. Question marks again by over Jordan Archer, to be honest. Tom King must be thinking, what do I have to do to get in goal? Anyway, that's it. I'm sure I'll be back with Nick after these, uh, after these messages. Achtung. Huge welcome back to the show to Harry Warren. Harry, really appreciate you doing that live piece earlier on in today's show. Um, sounds like a frustrating performance yesterday. Um, there's a little bit, you actually, actually slipped the tongue at the end of the end of the piece where you refer to us getting beaten um, rather than drawing. And it sounds like it was, it had that sense of, um, you know, a victory snatched from the, from the jaws, you know, a defeat snatched from the jaws of victory, so to speak. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it's a bit like the Forest result, really. I yeah. know we've got a point, obviously, but you, you go away feeling like, what if, rather than sort of we play well. It's, I don't know, is it more frustrating to play well and not get three points than it is to play shit and get eight? Because you sort of expect that, so. Yeah. I don't know, it's, it's, frustra it's frustrating, but it's a good frustrating, if you know what I mean, because you, you can't keep being unlucky by sort of the run of the ball or deflections or stuff every week because just the law of averages means that one of them's going to fall for you and I do think we will we will get three points sooner rather than later and I do think we don't look overruled you know I know Bolton are, have, have come up the same as ourselves but I think they'd be they beat us 12 last season quite yeah, comfortably they did they yeah. didn't it didn't look like that yesterday at all. It looks like we've grown as a squad and, and they've stayed static. And if you stay static still in football, you, you get punished. So. I mean, it's two games on the know. spin, it isn't it? I mean, the same story at Forest. You and me were up at Forest. So the same kind of storyline, really. And it sounds like the same yesterday of... We, we, we've, we've had a dominant, um, you know, impact on the game. A lot of shots. I'm just looking at the statistics here, Harry. 14 shots, eight on target. Um, to Bolton's five off target and two on target, um, and you're right. We, we we can't keep on being unlucky in front of goal. Not with the strike force that we've 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 started with yesterday, and also we've got potentially sat on the bench as well. 
Um, first question for you then, Harry. You were there yesterday. I wasn't there yesterday. Um, I'll tell listeners later where I was. It'll make you all laugh. Um, but the strike force, Lee Gregory and Steve Morrison, not quite clicking at the moment. Would you have started Lee Gregory yesterday or would you have brought in Tom Elliott, who looked quite sharp in the week against Stevenage? I thought Gregory was much better than Morrison yesterday. Really? Um, okay. Morrison didn't win it. Morrison didn't win it either, all game. Um, if I was going to take one of them off, I would have taken Morrison off. Wow, OK. Because if, Morris, if Morrison can't win an header as we knew last season, what's the point in having him in? To be fair, he did link up well with Gregory for the goal. So that's, their, that's the thing that they do. And he drops a lot deeper, sort of into midfield almost. Yeah. Pick one over his head. Every sort of flip back and, and several run onto. But I don't know if the two's going to work. And yesterday, we were up against a back five that split to a back three every time they had the ball. And Mark Beavers was playing out wide left. Now, you know Mark Beavers. We yeah. know Mark Beavers. We, we know do. he's not blessed with outstanding pace. And Jeb Wallace, I just think yesterday, it was almost, especially the second half, when it went to 1 1. You know what we're like. We'd, I'd rather Mill have a go and get beat than sort of do nothing. Mm. And I just think if we could have brought on Elliot maybe for Morrison or and sort of gone three up front with Fred off the bench and gone to three in midfield. I just think we we were dominating the midfield anyway. And I think Savile and Williams complement each other so well that you almost can you almost can leave it now. I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to panic like we were when we lose the ball last season. We would panic and sort of think, "Oh fuck." Yeah. The defence looks a lot more balanced now with two actual decent left and right backs defensively. And I think going forward in this league, when Jeb Wallace picked the ball up in, in space, run with it at Forest, the same happened yesterday. People back off him and let him come forward. And Gregory's clever enough to make runs forward into space that give him chances. So I don't think... I think the time's kind of... We're going to have to play different against different teams. I don't think we can play four four two every week and expect to win every week. Uh, I just don't think this league's like it. No. Unfortunately, that's what we're going to do. But you know what I mean? It's kind of the options on the bench is when you're playing a big side like Bolton are, they're a massive side across the back five. Yeah. You almost needed a Fred or a Jed to go through and create spacing and create something. And I just think yesterday you kind of played. Analog in a digital age kind of thing, you know. I mean, that's a nice line. I like that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that one off you, Harry. I like that. Um, yeah, Onya Dimmer came in 77th minute, so and then Elliot a few minutes later on 82. Probably too late to make much of an impact on the game at that stage, I would have thought. Um, I suppose it's a learning curve, Harry, for Neil Harris as much as anything this season, isn't it? I mean, everyone's raised raised a level. Um, the players and the management too, in that sense. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it was too late for him to do anything. I mean, Fred, I think, got two passes to him in those 13 minutes. And he got two fouls out of him. He literally took two steps of the ball, squared someone up. I think he squared Beavers up and won a foul. Yeah. And he squared, I think they brought on a substitution. And he got a yellow, yellow card straight away. He went past him like nothing. He just grabbed him from behind and pulled him down in a rugby, rugby tackle, really. That's, that's the thing. If you're going to... If people are scared of people running at you... Wallace and Fred are the two that, that will do that. People, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, no, so I, I, I agree. If you've got them for 90 minutes in front of the den, banging for a yellow card, the ref's got to have sort of a lot against Mill not to book people. And they do like to book people in the championship. So yeah. you might get a little bit 
I know, I know it's not that getting other players sent off, but that is where the gamesmanship comes in. I think Lee Gregory's learning that. He, he got one yesterday where he saw the defender coming for a mile off and uh, just stepped in front of him, bundled himself to throw him one a yellow card and a free kick out. Sort of nothing, you know what I mean? So I think we're all learning. I think I think Neil Harris is learning. I think the team is learning. As you said, I think it's just... We have, we've only been beaten really one at Forest. We deserve a point. We'd be on two points. We're not too, we're not down the bottom of the table. We're sort of in that middle bunch. I know it's only two games to look at a table, but people do, unfortunately. We've got a home game Tuesday night against Ipswich, who are not particularly brilliant. They're not supposed to set them over like this season. If you win, you've got four points out of nine, which ain't too bad a start. You know? Yeah, I mean... I mean, Harris speaking after the game identified what we've all identified. Everyone knows it. Anyone that's been to the two league games this season will know that we've got to start taking our chances. And he's, he's basically said as much in his post-match press conference. We didn't get what, he did, what we deserved, he said. Um, and if you don't take your chances, you won't get what you deserve, Harry, will you? Um, star man on the news at Den yesterday was George Savile. Would you go with that? Was he, was he our, our standout player in midfield yesterday? Yeah, he was for us. I thought he had a really good game. I thought, um, I thought even Meredith. I thought Meredith was brilliant compared to actually have someone going down the left hand side who looks capable of going backwards and forwards. There's a breath of fresh air, to be honest. But right. yeah, I'd give it to Savile in the end because of because of what he brings. He just, I, to be honest, I vowed the answer. I didn't think when we signed him, I wasn't overly overruled. Exhilarated. No, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, and I thought he'd just be sort of another. Another Williams, I didn't think he'd make that much of a difference, but he's come back from what was, and God knows how they've let him go. They must have someone in midfield who's just world class because Savile does everything. He's a, he's a real type player, and he, he's got the niggle about him, you know. He, he goes and goes and grabs people under the armpits to have mud and, and stuff like that, which, you know, he's the dark side of the game that sort of you need, especially at Millwall, kind of thing, to be loved. I suppose the um, the interesting dilemma in midfield will be when uh, is it Ryan Tunnicliffe, the, the the guy we've got from Fulham, um, once he's match fit, uh, which will be a few weeks away yet, but it will be coming soon. Um, I would think it would put Sean Williams's place under under pressure, at least competition wise. Um, I thought Williams did okay up at Forest. How did he show yesterday, Harry, in in, in the Bolton game? Yeah, I thought he was alright. They bossed the midfield both, and to be fair, in the mm. centre. Um, Compared to last season, when they think they had that player called Prattley, Prattley, um, yeah, for Bolton, yeah, yeah. sort of strolls around, um, big, long, powerful, sort of Yaya Touré kind of running about, sort of yeah, thing. yeah. And uh, he never really had a sniff yesterday, to be honest. So they, they're doing, they're doing something, right? I don't know whether or not maybe Tanifis been brought in as part of a three. You never know. I know we will play four four two, and sort of water's wet, and the yeah. sky's blue, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think Neil Harris would have bought in for winning uh, maybe. I, I don't know, but at the moment it's not the midfield where the problem is. You can't be creating sort of eight, nine, ten chances a game. I think that's where the problem is. The problem is is that and I think that's that you said, it's not really a fair reflection of what kind of chances they were. There was never a clear cut, oh my god, how did you miss that? There might have been Savile missed there at the front post that he probably could have done better with, but other than that, there was no, there was no clear cut chances that we missed. They were all sort of chances made by the middle, by the middle player who took the shot. They were like snapshots or snap chances. They weren't really, you know, it weren't like Forest where you would go, well, you should have scored there, you should have scored there, you should have scored there. They were, 
they were chances, but they weren't guilt eggs, you know what I mean? Now, I haven't seen the goal yet. I haven't seen any Sky um, clips on, on YouTube yet, but um sounds like a, a neatly worked opener, one a 1-2 one, with Morrison for Savile to, to slot home. Was, was that how it seemed in, on the day? Uh, yeah, it sort of was like a lump ball forward, strangely, because we didn't really do that that much. Mm. We tried to, but then yeah. we sort of reverted to playing football rather than most teams sort of try playing That's football. a re- revelation so, down the day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we go we go long and then <laughs> football when it don't work. But um, Morrison sort of took one down his chest, fixed it over the top into sort of like the centre channel for Gregory. Yeah. He played like a back hill and it split their defence and Savile run between basically their back four and took it to the go- like literally just slotted it underneath the goalkeeper just past the penalty spot. But it was it was a good yeah, good work well and like a good work move, but we had, we had one straight away after that, sort of that five, ten minutes afterwards where um, Morrison had sort of this, it was almost like a half, it was a bicycle kick without sort of falling on his arse, you know? Okay, I mean, yeah, yeah. hooked it back yeah. towards goal, and Beavers, for the second time, that they cleared it off the line, so, you know. More, bo- more bad luck. More yeah. bad luck, more bad luck to concede a free kick, um, well, what was it, about 13 minutes later that Morais has scored. It really hurts me when ex-players like Philippe Morais, who I thought was as lightweight and as patsy a, uh, a nothing kind of winger as I've ever seen down the den, and that's that's quite a, quite a statement, coming back to haunt us, and they go on to carve careers, and, you know, um, slotting in a, a free kick from the edge of the penalty area, I believe. In your life piece, Harry, you were quite critical of Jordan Archer. Do you, do you stand by your, your criticisms in a cold light of day? Um, I've seen it from... Behind, I'm seeing it from, from camera phone footage from Cobo Lane End, mm. and I'm seeing it from the away end. I think everyone who's sitting in the Cobo Lane End thinks it's a brilliant free kick. Yeah. I think if you watch it back from the, the so, away end, yeah. um, the long stand, it ain't that quick. Right. I, I don't think it's, it's... It's well placed. It's not that quick. Uh, I just think that Archer... What annoys me about Archer is I think Archer thinks he's better than what he is. Uh, and this is my this is my problem. Like the one that Forrest sort of got over the top of, and sort of pulled his hands away last minute, just to go, oh fuck, I'm gonna either get myself out mm. on the post, mm. or I've all, almost this is going white kind of thing, get caught out. This one, he doesn't even move. You know, how keepers like either go, either stand one side or the other. Yeah, Archer's right plumb in the middle of the goal. He's not really blocked either side of the goal. The, the wall's right in the middle. Now. I don't mind if he gets beat, it beats the wall and it beats him, but he doesn't. He, he goes, the wall's nowhere near, he doesn't go over the top of the wall. He just literally has so much space where the wall is to bend it round the wall and go top corner. And I just, I can't work him out. I don't understand what Archer sees when he sets up a wall or, or controls that thing to stand there, because ultimately, he's the one in position of the wall. There's no one else. No. Um, it's a good free kick, but what fucks me off is the fact that He's done nothing else all game. That, that's the thing about Archer. It's like Forrest. He had nothing else to do. And the one time he's called into action, he doesn't help you out. Other goalkeepers, Forrest's goalkeeper and Bolton's goalkeeper yesterday, they two or three crucial saves at crucial times. I'd, I'd agree with that. Two yeah. league games yeah. has done fuck all. The Forrest... The Forrest goalkeeper was a match winner for them, I felt, you know, and from what I'm he hearing. Made the shit. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, but he, he kept us at bay, and the Bolton goalkeeper sounds like he's he's kept us at bay again. That's that's a match winning role, whether you, you know whatever the uh, merits of the goalkeeper overall. But that's that they've done enough to get their team part over the line in 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 their respective ways. Yes, and that's it. But Archer seems to have this feeling that he has to make a Hollywood save almost. He has to catch the ball. He can't yeah. just palm it round. You know, you know what I mean? It's that kind of sort of the Lenny Pichetti disease creeping in. You know, sort of, oh, well, fall on the floor on the ball and make sure the cameraman takes a lovely photo of me that I can have up on the wall and then I'll still play the ball, you know. <laughs> you know, he's it, just, he's striking. He, I mean, he gave a little bit back on Twitter last night. I saw, sorry, sort of what am I meant to do with that when it's the photo from the Cobo Lane and sitting in the Dockers lower. Yeah, it looked like you could do a lot fucking more with that. You know, you know. I mean, so I don't know. I think he thinks he's been beaten by a worldie. I think some people think he's been beaten by a worldie. It's not necessarily that one incident. It's just going on from last season that we know from twenty-five yards out, Jordan Archer struggles. Yeah, might be good in the area, but normally. You watch back last season, a lot of goals that no one can see from 25 yards out, and they beat Jordan Archer, either by smashing it at his wrist, which he's not good in at saving things. But, you know, that's a new area to decide. Is Tom King good enough? If he isn't good enough, we need a better understudy to put pressure on him to bring the best out of him. Because when he's on form, Jordan Archer is a good goalkeeper. But yeah. I mean, keeper out of form, he's, he's no good. He's no, no. Out, no. out of form is any good. These are the ruthless decisions that Neil Harris is going to have to make um, and make them quite quickly. I'd, I'd be surprised if Archer's dropped for Tuesday night, but um, if he, if you know, if there's another goal conceded that costs us one way or the other, where the goalkeeper has a kind of an air of culpability about it, and I, w- I wasn't there yesterday, but certainly at Forest, I felt there was that that sense you've identified, Harry, of could he have done a bit more, and you know. Um, possibly could have done, could have done yesterday by the sounds of it. Um, we can't keep affording to drop points or concede goals as a result of a goalkeeper that's, um, you know, got an air of the, um, uh, you know, should have done better about him. So, Tom King, I don't know. He didn't let us down last season, really. I mean, everyone had a bad day at Tottenham, but apart from that, I can't think of any days he, he really let us down. He must, he must have a case, mustn't he? He must have a case to be, if not Tuesday, Next Saturday, if, if things shape up as they as they continue to be at the moment. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I think no, maybe I know we don't like going to the loan market, but I think we are not necessarily need to sign a goalkeeper. We need a little bit of I think maybe a bit of experience. Maybe not necessarily at this level, or a bit of sort of we just need pace somewhere going forward. And at the back, I don't know. I, I King's going to be picked again. Is mm. it because he's he's loyal to Jordan? Is it because Maybe Neil just doesn't fancy him. You know, you get players that sat there just don't fancy players, and I, I don't know. But I think Tom King isn't going to play and isn't going to play all season. There's no point in sitting on the bench not doing anything. I'd rather than go and learn and get experience, which all goalkeepers need, and find, find someone else who's going to sit on the bench, you know. But um, yeah. I think you're right. I think Archer, I think Archer is in sort of his stock's probably at the lowest it's been since he's been at the club, really. Um, he's a great instinctive goalkeeper but I think you're right he does struggle where he's got time to think about things and um, unfortunately we are we are one level below the Premier League now so um, standards raised and toleration of errors has, has also got to be less um, 
we can't have room for sentiment at, at this level. Um, just one other thing I want to mention before we close, Harry. Um, I've seen the the club put out a little YouTube clip of the of the four Mill fans who were caught up in the London Bridge attacks during the summertime. Um, I know that the four got a fantastic day yesterday on on uh, by the club. Fantastic reception in the ground by the sounds of it, from what I saw. Um, what a great gesture by the club yesterday. I thought that's that's really where we come into our own as a as a as a fan base and as a football club. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, it's uh, it's what you expect really from the club. I yeah, it's all the all the good work that was unseen by the mainstream media, shall we say? And um, you know, with photo IDs and all that on the horizon, allegedly. You know, allegedly, um, possibly, whatever. Yeah, um, possibly, whatever. But you know, you know, take that out for you. That's what the club does well. The club is brilliant in the community, and. and yeah. You know, fair play to the club for that. They have their day. They've been through St. Oracle, and they've, they've, you know, Roy obviously gets a lot of the plaudits, but it's not just Roy the other. No, there were other chaps three, there obviously. that night. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's it. Bolton um, did a lovely gesture, to be honest. They had a, uh, a banner with Bolton. Yeah, saw like, that, and, saw and, that. And, uh, Brilliant stuff. Um, that, that was good. And, uh, yeah, I think I think it was good from the club. Mr. Bison now has gone as well, which is... Yeah, shock. You you leave me reeling with that news, Mr. By for now. I've always fancied the job. I think I'd do a great job if I was Mr. By for now. So if um, anyone from the club is listening, my CV is available on demand for the pre-match build-up role. I've I've always fancied that job. Um, Please get off the pitch. Get off the pitch. Clear the pitch. I think that that I've got the sound. I think I've got the. uh, I've got, I've got the. Uh, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. I've got the, the mojo. Club safety is in jeopardy if you do not get off the pitch. <laughs> Think of your fellow supporter. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see you doing that. Get one. off the you pitch. Might, might <laughs> yeah, how much more simple do I need to make it? You are not a player. You're a fifty-year-old drunk. Get off the pitch. Just well. Yeah, it, no, it, they, um, if he has gone, Mister Bye for now, and he's, he's he's teased us with his departure before now. I think we are in August, so um, he might be on holiday wherever Mister Bye for now goes on holiday. I don't know, but um, he's been around years. Um, I think his name is Les Les something or other, and um, he's been around years. And it's one of those features that I'm sure when I first started going in the seventies, Harry, that that was the voice that I heard then and now. So if he has gone, that's quite a Quite a moment. I think he might just be on holiday, so it might be a temporary arrangement. I'm hoping so because I quite. He's, he's one of the familiar parts of my Mill match day experience. Oh, there we are. Yeah, I'm hoping so as well because the uh, the replacement weren't much cop. I mean, it's not hard. There's there's three there's three things you must do as Mill Mister Buy for now, shall we say? Is when we score, let him come sure that he's on the queue. There must be like a <laughs> detection of a queue. It can't be hard to just hit that button. Just hit it, he's gone in, he's hit the net, he's been celebrated, there's no thing, hit them, let them come. At the end of the game, if we win, there must be a big red button that says, break for quo. Quo, and quo. That, and that's come off. But, quo um, now. He, he didn't manage that one, so, uh, and he cut, let them come short on the way out for the pitch for a huge. Fucking and, amateur, and he, fucking amateur. Get, get me in, get me in. Big thank you to, <laughs> big thank you to Harry Warren. Um, I couldn't make it yesterday. I was, uh, I'd committed to something ages ago when when the new season was a far off in the distance, and um, it was a, uh, one of my nephew's school's production of We Will Rock You. So pity me yesterday. That's where, that's where I was. I was I was trying not to be too obvious about check, checking the, um, the the Twitter feed, it was kind of shielding the light whilst the the performance went on on stage. Um, and so that's that's where I was, dear listeners. Pity me. Big thank you to Harry Warren for doing a bit of live piece and now the the post match.
card cheering on myself. So many thanks, Harry. Um, today's show will go out probably tonight by the time I've finished editing it all. And um, we'll be all back next week. So um, there's only one way to finish. That's to say bye for now. <laughs> You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.